Roll it. Snap. Oh, I can't. Snap. I can't just, believe it. I can't believe it. Things. Things just got real up in here. The man. The legend. Oh I man. I think I'm more of a myth than a legend at this point, guys. Oh, <laughs> oh snap. Oh. Snap. And there, oh. there are those silky smooth mm. vocals. I think silky smooth oh. is a, is definitely an exaggeration. But Absolutely. I think, I think every, silky, every bit of it. To be silky smooth, I have to be at least one octave higher than this. <laughs> you know, you ever listen to your voice recorded? And why why try and talk quietly and slowly on a podcast? Uh, play it, play it back. I feel like that guy had a TBI. He was in a serious car wreck, and they put his brains back in his head and sewed him back up. That's oh what he sounds gosh. like. Oh my gosh. It's Phil, Jeremy. Phil, Phil, Phil of the future. Phil, 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 Phil. Of the- I mean, it's been, what, three years, and I'm still playing that same joke. <laughs> I still have never seen that show. Um, <laughs> I checked I checked my Hangout history, and last video call I was on with you guys was February 27th, 2018. Whoa. Thanks. Oh, so two boy. and a half years. Wow, that's amazing. No way. That's yeah. crazy. Well, it's because my, my wife was pregnant, and then we had the baby, and then I went back to grad school and just got, you know, just life happens. And he has had less gray hairs because he hasn't had to worry about me. Oh, I've got no hair, guys. Yeah, check the video out. There's, no, there's nothing there. <laughs> he, he's reached, oh, he's reached Jeremy level. <laughs> nice. That's unfortunate, but nice. Just, well, you know what, Phil? You just own it, man. Just own it. Yeah. Wait a minute. Blessing, you don't have any hair either? No, I got hair. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm looking at the thumbnail and I'm like, wait a minute. No. Do I have the most hair than anybody? This is hair looks curiously shaved. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's shaved. I I got hair. It's artistic. In 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 winter, I uh, I just let I I just let the fro grow. (laughs) Yeah, but um, you you're not gonna see it now because I was I was on a pillow and. so it's all squashed now, but we got, we, so uh, instead of wearing my, um, what you call it, instead of wearing my, uh, 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 what am I trying to say? In winter, instead of wearing a beanie, I just wear a fro. That makes sense. Mm. It's so warm. I'm telling you, hair is like amazing. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Eric knows all about that. Having relocated to the Appalachians, he's just he's gone mountain man on us. Well, you know, here's the thing though. Like, I still don't have very much hair, especially on the very top of my head. So it is pretty funny that that Blessing's going on about how wonderful his hair is. Like <laughs> the rest of us are kind of like, you know, kicking the dirt. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. It's all right. Um, it's all right. It's ironically, right. ironically, I have the most hair of all my siblings, and I am the oldest boy. And my younger, oh, wow. my three younger brothers have have conspicuously large bald spots. So you're saying that but, your sister is oh, wow. very jealous. My my sister has incredibly <laughs> no, no, she's got incredibly long, thick hair. But what sucks is she married a guy, and he might have the he might have the best hair of any man. Like my my <laughs> wife is in the room, and she's like, he's Johnny Bravo. He has Johnny Bravo hair. Wow. And it's just thick, luscious, beautiful blonde hair. And it's just sickening how good it is. Welcome to the Church Mag Haircast. <laughs> I mean, you one. Phil came back, and guess what happened? <laughs> What's 
let's not talk about race. Let's talk about hair, guys. That's right. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. I have a feeling that even if we did that, we'd still end up on the same the same points, you know. Wait, what's going on with race? Oh my gosh, Jeremy! No, freaking Jeremy! <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, did we did we have? This is what happens when you bring back Phil? I have to resort to this. Really? He's gonna be You're like, one. oh, Phil's here. I'm gonna just check my brain at the door now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I can't outsmart Phil, so I'll just play the other role. That's, that's not true. You always he's always playing mind games. He got that, it's true. He got that fact, counseling yeah. degree, and he's all uh, just like mind game city. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. That whole bit was yeah, a mind you're game. Like everything is terrible today, and then he's like, "Well, are you dying?" <laughs> <laughs> so did blessing. I I haven't looked at the the Slack messages. What what was the? Did we have like an exact direction? I don't know. Like, what were your thoughts? Yeah. Um. I didn't have an exact direction. I, just, I think I just had thoughts that were just all over the place. Um, I'm sorry about that, guys. Um, no, it's fine. Uh, um, it's it's basically one. Um, I just I just felt guilty. Let me put it that way. Um, in terms of, I mean, I just felt just it just doesn't make sense for us to just go about things as if. Nothing everything happened. is new. yeah 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 um, kind of like with the covid podcasts exactly oh oh yeah and um but you know um and interestingly i don't know if it's the whole i don't know if it's a covid thing that kind of i think globally there's this sort of shared experience um we we might not all be in the same boat but we're definitely all in the same storm um and um and so this happens. I mean, I don't know if you guys actually are aware of just the impact that this has had globally. I mean, the stuff that's going on. No, actually, we don't. And I guess we've started officially. Um, and 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 I I asked you to start because when it, I feel like it's it's so easy for us, for myself, for us. I guess meaning uh, those of us who are white to easily like start talking. <laughs> when we really need to start listening and so um you know kind of yielding the floor to you in that sense and blessing i think that that is a great place to start um i personally am hugely interested in that perspective as i have seen um uh today was the day where the the idea or the goal however well it did or did not work out to um kind of silence yourself a bit on social media and what you shared and promote um, African-Americans, blacks all over, you know, the world and what, and promote their voices. And so I retweeted and was, I already follow Ice-T, but I was promoting some of his, I was sharing some of his stuff and he kept sharing some of the international videos, which was really, really cool. And um, having lived in Italy and and everything else, I'm like, gosh, I, I'm kind of curious to know kind of what the, the feel is in other parts of the globe. So yeah, like, like tell us, tell uh, well, us. I wish I, I wish I could like, you know, have been like, I've been everywhere and this is what I've seen there, but, but from the, <laughs> I wish, um, <clears throat> but, the but looking from the outside, it's basically just like, um, uh, <laughs> okay. Before I get there, <laughs> I just thought, it, I just thought it would be just great to, 
I feel that it should just be irresponsible um, to not say anything about this. And you have no idea how many. So, I mean, I was even just scrolling through Twitter and I was just looking at the number of people who were asking, um, what did your church talk about this weekend? Um, did any of the issues that are going on outside of your church's walls, um, in this case, since we're not in our walls, well, outside of your church's uh, community or, or normal life, uh, whether it's online or offline or wherever it's happening, has any of these issues come up? And um, so many people were just like, well, my, my pastor said nothing. He was on a live feed. So it's not like they pre-recorded stuff. They, you know, he was on a live feed and he didn't say anything. And a lot of people were sort of ending with this and he's getting an email from me. <laughs> um, um, but, but I think that the, as a church, there's no way as the church, regardless of where we are in the world, it just doesn't make sense for us not to speak about the things that I feel God clearly has a very uh, big heart for. God has always been against, I mean, this, I mean and this is the thing I, I felt we needed to have a conversation because I struggle with writing words uh, at times like this sometimes. And, and I was just thinking about what is it that we actually need to speak into when it comes to this, because one, we cannot not respond. And it's not for the sake of having said something, you know, this, the people who just release a press, a press statement because they got to release this guy. They, they have to be said to say something, you know, you get um, brands or individuals who are clearly known um, that their reality in reality, they don't live out what they're now saying. Um, it's just that um, the big public voices are the big voices on the outside are big now. So then they just released a blank, blank uh, sorry, a blanket statement. Uh, you know, we stand in, in solidarity with, with the communities that are hurting, but but you're actually not even speaking into what the real issues are. Um, you know, so you don't, yeah. So if you see someone hurt, you, you, you know, I mean, the thing that they do, I don't know if, if, if you use the same protocols, but when you like a first responder and someone is hurt, the thing that you do that you think of first, am I safe? Yes, I am. Okay. What's is the environment safe enough for me to actually deal with the issue of this person? Let me deal with the person. Um, I, I don't know, maybe that's a bad analogy, but but I feel like just saying, just giving blanket statements, that's useless. Um, I, don't, words, I, don't know, I don't know, but I think Paw Patrol tweeted yeah. out a message I saw there earlier today. Who? The TV show Paw Patrol. It's a, it's a yeah. show for, to- for toddlers. Well, to be fair, Are you serious. Mm-hmm. Well, they're oh. part of Nickelodeon, and Nickelodeon actually turned off their all their uh-huh. contents on their application mm-hmm. and TV for like almost nine mm-hmm. minutes. Really interesting. Wow. And I, I, th- I think, I think through that and to definitely to your point, blessing, I think what's important is, you know, today there, there was, there was the, the, the blackout and there are lots of things going on with the, with the protests. By the way, I didn't know side note. Oh, so fine. sorry, Eric. I didn't even know that there was a blackout thing that was going on. I just blacked out. My, <laughs> I think a lot my, of people um, did. I, th- I think a lot of people did that, not even knowing exactly what it was about, did it, yeah. Um, yeah. which I, I think is really neat to, to some degree. And I, um, 
I know there's a lot of pushback. There's a lot of back and forth. We really didn't really do what it was supposed to, et cetera, et cetera. But what I did see, and um, uh, an African-American friend of mine pointed out, is that there were a lot of people that have stayed silent um, who you don't really know where they stand on this issue generally. Um, this gave them a platform. And like I, I saw some movement with people, you know, when, when they're doing a Black Lives Matter thing, like that's a really powerful and amazing to see that the, to see that growth is kind of what I'm saying. Like, it's like somebody waking up, right? They're a little groggy and this is giving them something to, to, to wake up to and with. I think what's probably the most important blessing is, you know, what happens moving forward? Like we're, we're still in the middle of this. When this podcast airs, I don't even, who knows where we'll be at. Maybe we'll still be in the thick of it. Maybe we won't. I don't know where we're going to be at, but I, it's the lasting change that that we hope and it isn't those lightweight corporate words like you're saying blessing even personally right um you know i i know phil i know phil's kind of on the front lines of facebook i wish i had phil's uh um phil's when i grow up i just want to have a way with words like phil and i want to have the courage that phil has um, because this was my other issue about us saying anything about any of this type of stuff that's going on um, in terms of, and by ugly stuff, I'm not just talking about what's, I'm not talking about the protests. I'm talking about what sparked the protests. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, exactly. Well, I don't know yeah. if I'm, I don't know if I'm courageous or foolhardy because uh, I, you know, there are a lot of people who don't like me. <laughs> For what I say on, on <laughs> they're all idiots, so we don't care. No, but here's see, okay, all right, yeah. Listen, Phil, I've I, I can vouch for what you're saying. I've dove into your com- like when I see you've posted something and I see how many comments, I like I, I jump up and I'm pop some popcorn first. I mean, it's that kind of a thing, right? And you never dive into help either, though. Some things <laughs> you're welcome, you're welcome. I'll, I'll work on that, Phil. I'll there. try to work on that. Um, if I mean, if you welcome it, I don't know. Well, I, I don't like folks dogpiling. Here's, here's the thing. Um, there, okay. I'm going to go, I'm trying to zoom out as much as I can real quick and narrow things down very, very quickly. Um, uh, I had a conversation today with my pastor and by the way, my pastor on Sunday talked about race. So, um, and did a great job. Um, and he's a white guy. So I'm going to clarify. He, he talked about it, not from personal experience because he's white, but he delivered a message on race and talks about how there's absolutely no room in the kingdom of God for distinctions. Um, or at least not for, for maltreatment based upon distinction. Like we, we need to yeah. recognize race and honor race and honor culture and heritage, but there's no room for, for mistreating somebody else or assuming the worst of someone due to their race. And so he did a great job. Yeah. Um, but I talked to him today about an issue um, because I posted something that made someone really mad <laughs> and he heard about it because I'm on staff still. Mm-hmm. And um it ended up being a misunderstanding, but um, feelings were still hurt. And I, I, I think you probably saw I posted an apology about something I shared, you know, quasi accidentally. Um, because I posted some, I, I posted something that has upset somebody. And in talking to this person, my pastor realized they kind of had a perception that either you're racist or you're not. And I think that's the first fallacies. People think racism is a binary yes or no thing. It's not. Racism is a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And it begins like it begins initially with like with prejudice. And we think of prejudice as a bad thing. But prejudice is if you want to look, I don't necessarily want to go too deep into this quagmire, but look at things from an evolutionary perspective. 
not that I'm necessarily promoting evolution, but like prejudice is a survival skill, you know, in, in that, like, if I see someone walking towards me, brandishing a knife and their hands have blood on them, I'm going to prejudge them as a threat to my safety. It, it could be that they're a butcher on their break. And they've forgot to put the knife down, you know, or wash their hands. Who knows? You know, it could have been a victim who was attacked and they've got the weapon from the attacker. But because I see a person with a weapon, I see blood, I'm going to prejudge them. That's the essence of prejudice, prejudging someone based upon what you see in the moment to perhaps what you may have experienced prior. The problem is we take prejudice out of a momentary, like split decision survival moment, and we make prejudice our our guiding principles. That's when we transition into racism. And we get into, I'm going to prejudge an entire I'm going to prejudge this individual based upon my preconceptions of this entire race. That could be based upon one bad experience or could be based upon what your parents told you, what your pastor told you, or what, like, you know, what your, your, your news consumption, your news sources told you. Um, I mean, using, using different groups as others for political or economic purposes is, is a long history. Um, we're living right now through this pandemic in the, um, 1300s and 1400s and the 1500s in Europe, you know, they, they went through several rounds of plagues, the Black Plague, there was the, um, I think it was the, called the English Sleeping Sickness, various plagues swept through Europe, and they would blame everybody, like, they, but they perpetually blamed the Jews and said it's Jewish people's a problem and using it and others always been effective. So in our context with race and with, with African-Americans in this country, it's always been um, a policy or you know, spoken or unspoken to when things get bad, um, people who probably are in power and probably have some control of those bad things, find a way to blame African-Americans. So when things were bad, you know, in the South after the Civil War, well, you know, it's because African Americans took your, you know, these 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 poor poor freed slaves or sharecroppers, they took your jobs and so on and so forth. It's a way of creating. And I'm not a Marxist, but it's a way of creating. Are you thinking reconstruction, just pre reconstruction, just post reconstruction there, and I mean, my my my. I'm talking about how essentially what happens is that that the those who are rich and powerful remain rich and powerful and use race sometimes as a way of dividing people who have like you know very similar life experiences. I live in a community that's fairly there's it's it goes from like very rich to very poor very quickly in my community and the poor whites and poor blacks have a lot in common but they don't live that way because they're told you know, they're told that, hey, race is your is your most common, you know, your, your um, most pertinent criteria, right? When in reality, they're probably more similar because of their class than their race. That's one of the problems we have in America is we've used, we've used race to divide people, even when their class circumstances might actually unite right. them. Yeah. And because we're capitalists and we hate, we hate class war. Right. And, and, and just, just to be clear, if you listen wow. to this podcast, please understand that we're not at all being exhaustive of all these very complex and things like everything Phil is covered. Like we, we know just so you know, as you're listening, we know we're only covering like one of the many angles to this thing. So please, please give us some space. We're just trying to have some conversation amongst ourselves, And then, you know, as you listen to, to, to encourage you to think about these things as well. This is the other thing that I was wrestling with um, uh, Phil, Eric and um, uh, Jeremy 
and whoever's listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, but um, anyway, um, the other thing I was wrestling, one of the reasons why I was wrestling with, should we talk about this? Should we talk about it? How shouldn't we? How? I think how is where I really got stuck because of the complexity of the issues that are involved. And I think one of the biggest things that I was, I, I was afraid of, and I will say I still am, um, even as we talk now, is that is the reaction to some of the conversations. Um, in fact, I've used reaction instead of backlash <laughs> or potential backlash that, that can come from some of the conversations like this because then the conversation um, becomes the issue and not the issue itself. Um, and, and then the debate becomes about, for instance, what you've touched on, Phil, which which has to do with um, uh, some of the history that you've spoken about. For example, then the conversation becomes about, no, let me correct your history um, instead of what the issue really is. Yeah, you know? right. But it is, it is interesting regarding the history and the, and the prejudice that, that Phil has talked about, which I've never heard anybody explain prejudice that way, prejudge. Like, I don't know why. I'm just like, it's so good. By seriously, the way. it's right there prejudice prejudice like i don't anyway mind blown that was awesome um i saw on a comment again to your point blessing somebody made a statement that should have been easy on board however the comment section unraveled into something completely unrelated right um which is a logical fallacy right it's poor argument um but it happens very easily especially on facebook and places like that and this person brought up malcolm x and something inside me was like, oh, yeah, Malcolm X. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Why, why am I thinking Malcolm X was not like a, a great civil rights leader? Why, why do I think that? Because, I, because you were taught that. Because I was taught that. And I thought, I, I got a little bit frustrated. I got a little bit frustrated. I was like, you know what? Today, we're going to learn about Malcolm X. And I'm like, uh, I think there was a movie. I look it up. Yeah, Spike Lee, Denzel Washington. I'm like, we're going to watch this movie. I'm watching the movie. And by no means am I a Malcolm X expert. Like I've only, I watched the movie and read about like, I've got only like four hours of investment of my life into understanding Malcolm X. But I will tell you that those four short hours, I now understand it enough to know that I thought and had a lie, something that was untrue about Malcolm yeah. X. Um, and in fact, I, I wanted to look up a video to share with a friend of mine, because we'd been talking about this, of an actual interview. It was about a 10-minute long interview with Malcolm X. And I even checked the year of when it was. I'm like, oh, 1965. Well, that was the year that he was killed, assassinated. Um, so I knew that that would be his most recent thoughts, because having learned about him, I understand the evolution. Um, I, and it was like, I just had this idea, right? Like, I thought I knew. Or my wife last week was talking about the LA riots, from you know the early 90s i was like well i said i told my wife i was like well that was a little bit of a different deal and she's she says like what do you mean it was a different deal and i like i like froze and i'm like oh well i don't know <laughs> um and then seeing all the video of bruce police brutality during peaceful protests i'm like for the first time in human history all of us have a recording device who's to say this isn't what happened in LA, right? Like suddenly my, everything that I thought I knew just totally shifted. Um, and just a full of a mix of frustration of anger of sorrow and regret and feeling so ashamed that I wasn't on board 
much sooner <laughs> with the truth, you know? So those prejudices and what you think, like, and, and to begin to challenge those things be, creates a domino effect that can be very scary. Jeremy can't push back. We're talking about race. He's not allowed to push back on this one. <laughs> no, no, it's not that. No, I would say, I would say probably out of everything that has to do with what we talk about on here, this is probably the thing that is, I mean, this is probably one of the biggest things that I struggle with. And I say that in the sense of not necessarily, um, I'm a, by no means my against it. Um, as far as trying to provide equal opportunity, um, the quite the opposite, but, when I, when I think about the things I've done in my life, when I was doing youth ministry and standing, and I've said this on the podcast before, standing in youth ministry at, at, the, at the front of the room and seeing that kid that's in the back that was struggling and hurting the most and wanting and just drawn more to him than to have those personal conversations or sitting in counseling sessions and trying to advocate for people that, let's be honest, um, when someone's struggling with schizophrenia, um, if we're truly being honest, the world would rather just them go sit in a building and forget, forget about them for the rest of their life. Um, we literally did that for 50 some years and there was government laws just, just as with there with some, um, the slavery and everything else here in America, we, we have a great history, don't we? Um, but for me at this point in my life, everything I do really, I mean, there's a, there's a scripture verse that's has kind of just become my, I, I literally posted it today, like a couple hours ago um, with regards to this blackout Tuesday stuff going on. Um, it's Proverbs 31, eight through nine. And it says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, encourage justice for those being crushed. Yes. Speak out for the poor and hopeless and see that they get justice. Literally my whole life at this point has been to advocate for people specifically those with mental health for some reason that's where my life is geared towards and it doesn't make sense and i don't know why but it has um and to advocate for it so in the whole idea and conversation about um social justice and about racism i'll be honest i have a kind of unique understanding of culture um just because my profession and talking with so many different people from so many different backgrounds and helping them find who they are um if i really look at myself i don't know my own culture fully um, and so how could I sit there and judge someone else's and to want to restrict that and to want them to try to figure that out or to not allow them the same opportunities as everything else and to push people forward so that they can grow, so they can um, have compassion for each other. Um, I think that there's a lack of humility and a lack of grace. I think that there's a lack of grace in all of this. I think you can be strong. I think you can be have so many difficult boundaries that are hard to put in place. Um, people talk about, oh, it shouldn't be just about love. There's so much more. And to be fair, I think that there's some truth in that. But when we don't have humility and we don't have grace with all of it, I think that's just all of this is a bunch of crap. Um, and so I see the, the writing and I see the police brutality and I see the Facebook comments. And I mean, I'm part of five different youth ministry Facebook groups and they're all just a pile of crap right now of the conversations that are happening in there. Like every other one is I'm leaving this group because I can't talk about what I want to feel. And you're trying to tell me that I shouldn't feel the way I feel on both sides of the aisle. And, and 
there's something to be said for social media is not the place to have these arguments, but I think that people are just not having these arguments in general. We're just too scared and afraid and what, and they don't understand they don't understand themselves, but they want to try to put everybody else in a little pigeonhole and, and move on with life. And I think that there's just a lot of people doing really ignorant things. So I don't necessarily have pushback because I don't want to be the person that tries to put up a compartmentalization on something. I I really don't have things I would rather define. I'd rather have a sit down and conversation about something. I even post Eric on your thing a little while ago of sometimes we don't post on social media. I don't think I'm going to post stuff on social media because I don't want to have a conversation that puts me in a block and someone else in a block. And all of a sudden we're against each other. I would just rather have a conversation in person that makes it where I'm getting to explore myself and others more than just, this is where I stand. And so you have to be okay with it or unfriend me it just doesn't help mm-hmm. anything. I, I um, And, and that's one of the questions. I mean, this for me, um, Jeremy raises one of the questions that, um, uh, that I've been wrestling with is th- there's certain things that I feel personally um, for, in terms of just reacting with, with what's happening uh, in, in the U S and interestingly, it's, it's actually sparked so much else um, because I mean, I've been on different calls. I'm actually very privileged that I've spoken to people on, I don't know how many different continents almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I've been wrestling with is, is there's my reaction personally. And I had to, today, this morning, I spoke to Ingrid about how I was feeling in terms of how looking at all the images and the reactions that has come back has kind of scratched something within me of the things that I've just come to accept in my life in terms of the experiences that I have. Insert, depending on where I am, it's, it's almost like there's just a switch in my mind that, okay, cool. This is the environment I'm going into right now. So this is how I need to, this is what I need to be aware of. And so, so there's things that I need to act on. I mean, there's my, how I engage with this personally. And then at the same time, I think about how um, I engage with um issues of injustice um, um, in this, I mean, in this, in this case, uh, racism, for example, um, and how comfortable or how happy am I with the reaction of my Christian community? That's another thing that I was just wrestling with is, um, you know, what's being said and how is it being said and what should be said and how should it be said? Um, What, and I've been battling with the framework um, because despite uh, how I feel, uh, I have to be careful not to even talk how I, I have to think about how to uh, um, express how I feel. And obviously I can't do that completely online. And that's the other side of it is that online, there's some nuance that sometimes we lose. Um, but then the question that I'm wrestling with and is, is that in terms of just the expression of that and engaging with it. Um, I, I remember reading this. I mean, there's some lines I've lifted over the years, interestingly, uh, from some of st- some stuff that Phil has written. And I thought, oh, my word, this is just amazing. Um, but on the other angle, I like I, I really it's it's 
I feel, let me put it this way. God, I, I think God has always been in protest against injustice. He's always been. Um, if you think about the, the, some of the prophets, I mean, the things that the prophets were saying, God was protesting his people mm-hmm. and where they were um, when, you know, when, when, when um, uh, I mean, some theologians have debates about this. Did Isaiah really go naked um, to make a point or to convey his message? We definitely know that Jeremiah um, was made to, to lie on his side, not to leave, not to move. And, you know, he pooed on himself. He did everything that he did right there. Um, Hosea was made to marry a prostitute. God told Hosea to marry a, pos- a prostitute. Yeah. Um, if you think about all these things that were just taboo, but God was actually saying something um, um to his people in terms of where they were. When you read scriptures like Isaiah, uh, uh, where God says, this is, this is what an acceptable fast is for me. Basically saying, listen, I don't care that you're not taking any food. Um, it's, it's what are you doing when it comes to issues of justice? Um, I, I see you coming, your worship, but your worship doesn't really mean anything because um, because that worship isn't attached to an action that brings dignity to people that sees the vulnerable and protects them and uplifts them. So, um, so when I'm trying to just make sense of that, even in the time that we're in right now, um, if I had to talk to uh, the church as a whole or speak to church leaders, um, anyway, um, what do I say to them? And what do I say to them in terms of what we need to be saying and how we need to be responding? Anyway, I say so much. I don't know if it's all making sense, but it's all jump. So first of all, I think that we should absolutely give people a place to speak. I think that there's a lot of people out there that say we need to give a platform. And I totally agree with that hundred percent. I think that when we understand people better, that's we all win. Um, but I would also say that um, unity in the way that is being projected in, in conversation online and in, in the media conversations is, is to have acceptance of everything that's happening and to join in and have the same iteration. And I don't think that that's necessarily what unity means. And I don't think that necessarily is what the Black Lives Matter, even just um, George's family is pushing it's about to have the conversations and to open up and to give platforms to allow people to speak and to dialogue about things because to be fair i don't think that we should go to a place where everybody is exactly the same there is something beautiful in all of us being different i don't mean that we need to definitely still have racist and um, white supremacy that can leave forever and ever and i'm okay with that but we we in our uniqueness in our culture in our ability to be who we are um i think that's when everybody wins i think that when i can sit here and be the most introverted socially awkward um not even nerdy enough to have nerdy conversations kind of person and people are willing to talk with me about this stuff literally us having this podcast and talking about these things, I think that's when we win about stuff. And I think that's where we can move forward. I'll be, I'll be honest. I've not heard any African-Americans call for unity because the calls for unity are almost always coming from white people who want black folks to fall in line. 
Um, I, all the memes about, you know, MLK didn't riot, you know, all the, all the stuff like, you know, we just, we just need love. I keep seeing white people share songs about I, one and, and most of them are very earnest and they're trying to communicate, but they don't have the language. They don't have the, an understanding and they're sharing all the stuff about we just need to love and there's, there's, we're all the same. And there's only one human race. And I'm like, yes, you're very sweet. It's like when my, when my grandma tries to talk about, you know, stuff in the news. But but, she's also making her own racist claims, right? Well, no, but she's like 85 and she doesn't get it. You know what I'm saying? Cause right, right. Also, so it's like, Oh yeah, grandma, that's exactly right. You know, I just nod my head and kind of just, you know, I love her cause I know that her heart is in the right place, even if she's not informed. And all this talk about unity is, is generally speaking, just like, let's all just forget this happened and move on. Right. And that's not what we need to be doing right now. Stop making me feel uncomfortable, right? Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what's about. Yeah. And I would say uh, lack of comfort is where you personally get to grow. So embrace it. Yeah. I mean, like that, right. But embrace the difficulty, the uncomfortability. Well, like discomfort is where change begins. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I can remember when I, you know, first got serious about my faith is a very uncomfortable moment because I had to come, I first had to come face to face with my own sin. And mm-hmm. we, this nation has been established in sin like this nation would not exist today if it had not been for for african slavery you know um and so i'm not, i don't believe in necessarily in like national sin national repentance but i do think we need to realize that the system we've built was built on broken black bodies i mean I, and jeremy to your point about um you know unity does not mean uniformity and that's yeah. what we have to understand as well is that once once white people and again i am white but once white people get a clue white people right yeah once white people get a clue and we begin to dismantle the um destructive racist system we have constructed that privileges us and disadvantages anyone not like us once that begins to happen and we begin to look at healing wounds and bring bringing about true god ordained unity because let's be clear god does want us to be unified once once that process begins um we need also need to realize that unity does not mean uniformity that unity a, a true community will have diversity you know, we are a, we are a body. We are not, you know, we are a body of diverse parts and we are a body of diverse cultures. And that, and that has to be allowed to right. remain. And just like Jeremy was saying about people feeling comfortable to be themselves. I mean, that's that's why we that's why Sunday is the most segregated day of the year or day of the year, day of the week is because our African-American um, brothers and sisters do not feel comfortable coming to our church and i think it's important to for us to think about and come to grips in terms and understand why is that the case and really understand what what their experience is and to be an agent of change to to yeah i, I erase that awful you know, I experience think right now the most practical my, my church my um i had staff meeting yesterday and we talked about what's what's some practical steps we can do to be to bring change to this conversation about race. And I said, right now, nothing because our people don't understand it. Um, if we like someone said, well, we could bring in a guest speaker from a black church. I'm like, the problem is our people will just see that speaker, hear him speak and say, you know, he's a good one. And, you know, 
Yeah, they and and they will understand how terrible that is. And so a couple bucks too. away, right? And then be like, I did my good deed for the for the week. Yeah. So I I so I think that like most white people, most oh. white churches need to shut up and and start learning for themselves. And I was gonna say shut up and listen, but I, I listened to enough podcasts this week and, and seen enough stuff online that I know that most black people are tired of talking. It should not be up to them to educate us about the problem. They've been telling us for years and we haven't listened. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there was a there's a powerful scene, uh, Phil, in the Malcolm X uh, movie where this this uh, college girl walks up to Malcolm and and asks what she can do because she really admired him and what and she really believed in the cause and everything. And she's like, what can I do? And he looks at her and he said, nothing. <laughs> And walked on. So powerful. So powerful. And she was a white college student? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Cause, because it, cause that, that was the other thing that came up, too, is in our meeting. And, and again, these are people who are, tr- who are trying to do the right thing, right? But the problem is they don't know what it is. And they say, well, how can we serve the black community? I'm like, exactly. no, we're not white saviors. We're not going to go in and fix things for them. Because the problem isn't them. The problem is us and the system we've created. A, a friend of mine and I were talking about one thing we felt like we could do for our situation our meaning um whites would be to be more uh to to talk more about our privilege um to to push that a little bit more so that people can understand and start thinking about what they have because that is an experience that that i can share right that is personal instead of me trying to push something else i've I've seen that actually become a barrier um Eric. Mm, um really okay I, I always no no I'm, i mean i'm not saying it's that's invalid but i've just seen that always become a barrier because then the discussion becomes i don't have privilege no. um mm, okay and then it ends up like uh, okay then there's no way you can have any further discussion be beyond that i, I think <laughs> i think also depends on who the the audience right blessing because if audience. i'm just saying that yeah, yeah. generally yeah. to some like i'm not gonna i'm not going to talk to um any of my african-american friends about my privilege like <laughs> they're gonna I say just, we know um <laughs> yeah, they're gonna say we know it's really it's it's really for a majority of the people that I know who are white that don't believe that that exists. That's exactly what I mean. Okay. Is, is that, thank you. Is, is that no, but I, I don't know. I don't understand what privilege you're talking about because that doesn't exist. And, or, or, or like I heard on a, um, um, I think I was listening to, uh, you guys are going to laugh, but, um, or maybe not even believers, but <laughs> I was listening to um, uh, the Breakfast Club, um, uh, 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 DJ NBE and Shalomar and the God. Yeah, um, and they were I've forgotten the guy they had, but it's different. Who were uh, like Paul? I don't remember his name. He was like polar, yeah. completely polar opposite to who they are. Yeah, I was uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and one of the conversations that and one of the things that he said uh, was basically, um, no, uh, this this privilege that you're talking about is a is a is a construct. And and then the discussion just kind of went wow 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 on on yeah. that issue. So so the, and this is what I'm wrestling with. I'm not saying that it's a, it, that I mean Eric that we can't have that conversation. Or I mean I mean I mean you can't facilitate some of the conversation within your community, but that. Often, often one of the things that ends up happening is 
no, but what do you mean about this privilege? And it's a contract, a construct that doesn't exist, and it's all in your mind. And then it's like, oh, oh well. Um, <laughs> well I, mean, I mean, that that's the. I mean, you're busting. You're right. Um, and I, those people who say, "Well, privilege is a construct," well, race is a construct. You know, there's nothing inherently different about races. Race is a cultural construct. Cultures are different. Race, there is only one singular human race. And I think that Blessing's point is incredibly valid, Eric. I think that white privilege is a discussion that is light years ahead of where most white people live. And I think that, like, I'm, I'm, so I'm thinking, my, my, whenever I talk about race, I'm always picturing particular individuals I know. And I'm always talking to white people because I, I would never, even my, in my wildest dreams, begin to like think about how would I talk to my black friends about race? Because I don't have anything to talk about with them. Right. Like, tell know? me, like, I'm listening. Right. Say whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I, I got a lot of, well, I'll come back to that in a minute. But for now, like, I'm thinking about how do I, as a discipleship pastor, I'm in charge of a lot of the teaching at my church. How am I going to help my church become effective in um, bringing change to this conversation and to the situation in our country? And I think it starts with with a, a very big history lesson. Because, you know, white privilege is like, I discuss that in my sociology class. When I, when I teach public school, I'll teach sociology and we discuss white privilege and that's like a senior level course you know but i need to, i need to teach these people like freshman history like okay guys so a long time ago when white people came to america the native americans were not real happy to help us you know farming tobacco so what did we do we went, went to africa and we bought people you know and like i need people to understand that first and understand how that happened because then you get people because the problem is that certain groups like to twist the history and say well you know how slavery started don't you is africans sold africans and then i have to go in to explain yes africans sold africans because in african in the african context slavery was not a dehumanizing aspect you were essentially uh your labor was purchased not your humanity and you go into that whole discussion because you know in, in africa slavery was a racial issue it became racial once you crossed the atlantic but anyway my point was just that I need a huge history lesson uh in the church like church needs to go back to school before we can really begin to address this issue effectively i would say that the church needs to have humility and grace because you could talk all you want and it's just gonna be resisted i mean you're absolutely right but but, the, but then at least you know you then at least you know who is now beyond your reach and is just goes on your prayer list. Okay, I can't talk to him anymore. Sure. You pray for him. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I will also just then say, just bless you, <laughs> bless your heart. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I think too, Phil, something that I've um, I try to follow anyway is sharing resources and information or discussing resources information of those that are much smarter and eloquent than I am. I find that to help. I mean, maybe, maybe you're an exception. Like I would feel, I would share something Phil said because I'd be like, well, that's intelligent and well thought out. (laughs) But you understand what I'm saying. Uh Like you just can't, pop off at the mouth even though that's what you want to do well and it's even even then though it's like i wanted to um uh phil visher um the he's the holy post podcast you know veggie tales guy 
Yeah, great. They got a great podcast, and he wrote a blog post on theholypost.com, and maybe we'll put it in the show notes about his white privilege. And it was incredibly well written. And his argument is not, it certainly is not that being white made me what I am, but he's saying that being white made, made what I am far more possible than if I've been born black. And it just, he goes through in several generations, how being white, like he tells us, he tells a story and then he goes through and explains how if his family had been black and he'd been black, then the story would have gone differently. And he's like, look, it wouldn't have been possible. I could have succeeded still, but it, but this all happened for me perfectly in time because of my whiteness. And it's a really powerful post. And I know if I shared it, I would get tons of like, well, that's just ridiculous. He's just co-opted by the, you know, Bob the Tomato is part of the liberal elites now. And mm-hmm. just, it would have gone, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. gone nowhere from there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and the other thing, yeah, sorry, Phil, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, I will say I've always questioned Bob. <laughs> I'm, in that, I'm, in that I'm a little concerned. <laughs> I think Jeremy's yeah. an Archibald fan. <laughs> so do I. So do I. My kids call me Bob. Yeah. So. I, I just could never get into details. Hmm. I don't know it's why. Okay. It um, was a bomb. <laughs> um, uh, someone said liberal, and that actually triggered me <clears throat> because. Because one of the discussions, one of the things that I see where discussions end up getting hung up on is, is that it now ends up being what label am I actually anchored in? Um, so, so, so because I'm liberal in my thinking or my politics or my theology or whatever, it means that these are the lines that I need to actually take. And that's the other thing that I really feel is hurting our conversation and our effectiveness as a church to be a voice because we have gone binary instead of just taking the third way, which is the way of Jesus. And sometimes I feel that we end up holding on most strongly to a label that, that, that we've chosen to take an on, to take on yeah. more than what we should be. So we end up even defending certain viewpoints or attitudes um, because we've identified with the representation of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the hard part about all this is that we can understand and come out. We can come out the other side of this and this conversation is cultural Jesus, right? We can, And mm-hmm. I say that's knowing that so many people are cringing at that. They're triggered now. And mm-hmm. the tough part about this, and we know this to be true, is that sometime down the road, five minutes from now, 25 minutes from now, two years from now, your perfection on this understanding of culture has already started to shift towards another bias. That's why in clinical counseling, I literally have to take three hours of cultural education. I can do, I can do any kind of education and anything else I want, substance use treatments or this new therapy out there, or um, how to make sure toes are more relevant for coping skills. I don't know, but if I don't do cultural competency or actually now it's um, it's, it's got a different word for it. Um, that we, that I am going to, if I don't do that, I don't get my licensure renewed because we know human beings are always unable to stay at one point. We are always slipping. The yeah. Phil that we knew two and a half years ago, he had this metallic voice that sounded like Microsoft Sam. Look at him now. He's grown into a new person, right? <laughs> we are always changing. I still like peanut butter. That probably will never change, but oh, we are always, always growing. We are always changing. And that's 
a good thing and also one of our shortcomings because we always fall back oh. into terrible, stupid, moronic things. And so even if we grow through all this and black out our Facebook profile and put the right hashtag on and give people the platform to speak, which are all good things, does not mean that we're going to do it right next time. And we might fall completely off. But to your point, blessing about the aspect of politics and the the boxes that then it puts people in and the assumptions that are made. I think Ice T said it well uh, this week. He said, he said, uh, I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat. Those are just two wings of the same bird. It's a weird world we live and, in. And right? do you think that, Jeremy? Uh, Eric, sorry, Eric. <laughs> I'm really but, that, but that's where they're at, right? That's yeah. where I was. Mm-hmm. At, that's where I was at probably ten years ago, and I was that dumb idiot too. So if we, if we, well, if we hate that person, if we, mm-hmm. if we throw them in the mud because they're so stupid about not being able to wake up to this, then we need to do the same thing to ourselves. So many years ago, we have to realize that person's where they're at. They need to stop being racist. They need to stop with their hate. They're going to go to hell for that if they don't repent of their sins. And yet we can still try to figure out how to love them and try to bring them into a conversation. They don't get to speak because they don't even try to learn stuff. They don't get the platform, but we can still try to bring them into the conversation. Yeah, you have to decide. Yeah, it's it's not, uh, you know, there's a difference between someone walking away and you walking mm-hmm. away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you got to figure out you, you, you got to you got to think about it in that terms. And as far as crossing the line, and that doesn't mean that you can't you shouldn't disassociate yourself from people if like there's health reasons right there's they can be toxic reasons and like i know personally what like using social media i know what my line is i have a line if certain things are said or done that 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 are triggers that i go look i i'm i have to that i have to remove that from my circle because that's just not that's just not going to work for me and you know that's my that's my thing, right? That's my personal thing that I, I can't I'm I'm not going to tolerate that because there are some things in this world that are not tolerable and that's and that's the truth of the matter. But to Jeremy's point, Jeremy's exactly right, because I am a person, one of those people that is a hundred and eighty degree degrees different than I was fifteen years ago without a shadow of a doubt. So I 100% agree with what Jeremy said. I mean, to be fair, we have people all the time that are like, you're right. We all need to change. We all need to do this. 10 seconds ago, you was stupid. So why don't you go talk to yourself back then, right? We have to realize that we're always growing and always changing. Yeah, I saw a cool thing. Um, uh, Rhett from Rhett and Link, he wrote a letter to his formal self about what he's seeing with racism and it was a letter to himself and it was so powerful um just did he bs it with also stop believing in god because he (laughs) he quit didn't he no 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 okay well good (laughs) but but, but even that comment right there that changes our perspective of red link right when i heard that it changed my perspective of him It, it just happened that's part of how we react to them reacting to the other thing that they reacted to the other thing they reacted we're always changing, but but there is change. See, I, I think the I want to push back against Jeremy. Go for um, it. Go for I, it. I invite I invite you. I, I ask your leave to do so. Is that Jeremy? You say we're always changing, and I I I know what you mean, and I agree with you in in that context. But I don't agree. I, 
looking at things from the perspective of those people who are out protesting right now, they're protesting because nothing is changing. Now, granted, now we're, granted, we don't have slavery anymore. Where things are better in certain areas, but um, in the larger scheme of things, they are still second-class citizens. Oh, sure. So that's I think I think we need to we need to, we can't conflate those two things. Right. As people, we are not static. We're always changing. Who we are today is not who we were yesterday. But until we, and even though like like hey, obviously I'm talking to the white people in the audience. You might get woke today congratulations but until we as a people group as a nation as a church rise up and begin to dismantle the system that is stacked against uh people of color we've not done anything yeah and, and totally hear me and, and i i'm 100 on board with that um i think that if we were to be able to I'm, I'm so glad that we are not whipping and chaining people that are um black right now right congratulations to us uh, we are, we're still like not giving them the services and um, treating them fairly. Like if I go walk around with my mask on, um, I don't think, oh my goodness, I'm going to get um, shot today, right? Like that's just an inherent racial thing that America struggles with. And we're changing. We're 100% changing. Unfortunately, America, in my mind, is definitely on the downslope right now, right? We're not improving. We're changing, but we're not improving. Um, so I, I 100% agree. And if you're not woke just now like phil said and you're mad then you know maybe next time they're fine you don't have to be woke we're not all going to be woke in 10 years i'm gonna look back at stupid me and be like stupid jeremy what were you doing right i've said that before i've said that on a podcast once like to me if you're not embarrassed of your formal self then think about that (laughs) hold on guys but let's be clear that like let's not get caught up in the in the mimosity of wokeness like if you you look back yourself in 10 years like oh so stupid from thinking that black people are valid citizens of our society then who you are in 10 years is a huge (laughs) true story no you're right you're right (laughs) you know like there are certain things you will look back at and you will say i'm glad i made that choice i'm a better person now for the change i made then right what i think and then the next step is gosh what do i need to change now that i'm going to be embarrassed that i'm thinking and doing now <laughs> well or like like in 10 years you look back at yourself and say wow i really made a change there i'm embarrassed it took so long but that but that no i don't i don't think it has to be embarrassment it's just have grace for yourself have grace for everybody else yeah. you know what I, but see, I, mean, I don't i don't want to have grace for myself right now on this because that's a i think i know what you're meaning jeremy because you 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 your your prescription pad out you're prescribing us all two doses of grace you know no 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 i'm not this has nothing to do with my psychology this has everything to do with like if jesus was sitting here having this conversation with us i think he would be saying you're all idiots and you're doing it wrong and if you don't change people are not going to go to heaven and at the same time have grace for each other I, i mean um Maybe, but then again, like he also went into temple and tore things up because the yes. Pharisees yes. Were, were were treating people poorly. You would be on the front lines of all this, hundred percent. And I think or both. I think maybe both. I, maybe I, both. I, at first, like I don't know how much grace we should give ourselves because our brothers and sisters. Like I think about how many Christian leaders, okay, people of color who they're, they're leaders in the church have been saying for years, this is what's happening. And the white church has said, I don't think it is. I know, I know the police and they're very nice people. Yeah. You know what I think it is? I, I think it's, I think it's maybe humility is what's needed because like, as we're talking about this, I feel like somehow we just ended up, I ended up talking about like myself and like, and now I'm like self-conscious of that self-aware, like, 
is, am I being offended? You know, like to be fair, that was the two things I said, right? Grace and humility. Yes. Like I'm, if I say something wrong, I hope you guys are a one to call me out. To be or, unfair, you didn't, you didn't say it. To be unfair, sure. <laughs> but I hope you guys would say if I did something wrong, I hope you guys would be like, Jeremy, what are you talking about? That's not okay. We're gonna edit out. You're fine, but that's not okay. Like that's great. No, 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 right. no, no. We would just passively aggressive edit it out, and you never know because you don't listen to the podcast. That's true. I, um, but at the same time, me thinking I know all this stuff is totally not okay either. Oh yeah, have a little humility. Right. And if, and if you are, if you are a person of color and listen to this podcast, understand that I too think it's ridiculous that, that there's three white guys here going on and on about this. Thank, thankfully, thankfully we have blessings voice that he can actually tell us how a person of color actually feels about what's going on. So not, not that I feel like everything I say, like I have to then add another angle to it. Not that blessing is like, cause I feel like we do that. No, it's true. What happened as white people were like the, the one person of color, right. Or the one person who is someone who is, um, like, like Ali experienced that with MS. Right. Like she's the one person with MS. Right. And then like suddenly she's the spokesperson for every human that has MS, right? The one African-American, you are the spokesperson for every African-American in the world. Or like, oh, Eric, you've been to Italy? Like, you must know everything about Italy. I, no, yeah. I do not. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So. I think, yeah. I think if anything, I am just learning to sit with, um, discomfort again because i feel that's how that's basically what i feel like it's just there's some things that i just sort of settled into it's like okay cool okay i know the drill this is the space i'm going into now this is what's going to happen okay cool now that's done but i've just kind of felt like oh no now we have to revisit discomfort and that i feel that's probably the same for the church i don't think change is comfortable and i don't think being challenged is comfortable um, good yeah. Hmm. Neither is working out. Working out sucks. I wish God would have made it comfortable and happy, but it's not. Eating Oreos is comfortable and happily. Um, I think that you guess right. Humility. I think um, I think humility leads to repentance, and I'm not saying that like I, I've never owned a slave i have never physically assaulted someone due to their race but what have i done to stop this you know like the conversation now i think people are realizing it's not enough to not be racist you must be anti-racist we must be again we must actively oppose racism and i think that's um where we need to be begin to focus our attention it's like how do i become someone who can actively oppose racism whether it be just the simple like like you know i i love when my my talk to my students about race and they go well i don't oh so i don't use the n-word like as if that's the end all be all of racism right exactly you know, like exactly. how do we I, I don't want to begin like like I don't carry a swear jar around for my friends who cuss and like, Hey, put this put a dollar in the jar. I'm not going to carry a racist jar around. Say, All right, you, you made a racist joke, put a dollar in the jar, but I do want to like begin to put, you know, pushback against people who do those things. And, or, or our, or our systemic racism as well, that, or, or the, you know, the, the remnants of the Jim Crow era. Yeah. I mean, that's a, I mean, I'm just thinking of the, the micro for the moment, but yeah, absolutely. In the macro, this is where, 
there. I told this my pastor earlier tonight, and I'm not going to, I don't want to delve too deep in this tonight, but this is because he, he's, we're discussing the topic. I said, we need to begin to educate our people and then you begin to make, you know, we need to make changes. He's like, well, how do you even begin to make changes? I say, well, honestly, this is where we're going to have to, we're gonna have to relearn how to vote because these are political and social issues that, that can only mm-hmm. be changed a lot of places top down. And, it's time for the church to care more about uh, care more about thing uh, to care more uh, about racial issues as they correspond to politics and to begin to put our muscle behind true justice. Because the, hey, the parties will shift their platforms if the votes are there. That's the thing. Right, and and being more than just one issue would certainly aid that. I'm not advocating one party or the other. I'm saying if the church wins and wins, they cry out in unison, say we want justice. Then the parties will realign themselves. I, you know, Phil always wants the last word. Like Phil has like two years of pent out podcasting in him, so he's like, I gotta get in the last word. <laughs> My wife's going her eyes as you say that, Eric, because I was literally bouncing on my chair earlier, waiting for my turn to talk. <laughs> oh my gosh! Bouncing in the chair. Uh, so what you're oh, saying is, is you're coming back. This is a comeback. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see it all played out. mean? Send us an email, subscribe, and search for previous episodes of the Church Mag podcast by visiting Church Mag online. You'll find a link on our main menu. Go to churchm.ag. That's Church Mag. And while you're visiting Church Mag, send us a message. And be sure to subscribe to the Church Mag podcast so you can receive an early release of the new show every Friday. We don't do that for just anyone. The Church Mag podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. 